Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Thank you for being, well, having us part of your weekend. We're here all the time. That's right, a new show every single day. Right next to me is... Kimmy! Hi, I'm your host, Patrick Riley. Riley, Riley, what a pal. He's a man who's understood in Brooklyn or in Hollywood. Riley, Riley, what a guy. Uh, yeah, that, well, thank you. Uh, that That's me. And right next to me is somebody who is, well, she is, well, kind of my cartoon alternative person. That's right. She's my living, breathing cartoon, and she's a little... Oh, she is, and she also talks about things that are, well, old and, well, retro, and that that's right, because we focus heavily on nostalgia and current pop culture. Welcoming to the studio is Kimmy. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. I, I need a curtain to come back, you know, sort of like Carson had, you know, and then we can have this on video when you come in. Yeah, and theme music and everything, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, the big budget of the Riley and Kimmy show, we are working on that. And by the way, in all seriousness, be listening for details where you can join us live in the studio audience for a Riley and Kimmy show appearance. Those details coming up soon. And the best way to find out about those is by, well, friending and following us on social media like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yes, that's right. We'd love to have you in the studio audience. Right, Kimmy? Sure. And Kimmy is bouncing up and down as the, the cartoon because of what day, Kimmy? Saturday. Yes, it's a Saturday. Kimmy's in a very good mood, and we're going to rewind here, go back in time just for a moment or two, as we pay tribute to the way television used to be for many decades. That is, Saturday mornings were... Children's programming was the thing, and it wasn't just educational programming. No, 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 no. It was cartoons and live-action shows, things like that. The fun stuff. Let's see if Kimmy can identify one of those types of programs that aired many years ago. We have the theme here. Well, we have a musical element isolated here. Let's see if you can identify the TV show. Kimmy, here's your clue. Can you tell me the oh. name of this TV cartoon? Oh, yeah. Okay, Kimmy, what was it? Fat Albert. Yes, Kimmy got it right. little Saturday Rewind there. Hey, hey, hey! Did you watch Fat Albert? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. Aired on what network, Kimmy? CBS. That's correct. And if you'd like to find out what aired on what date, what channel, what program, what where, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, during the golden age or silver age of cartoons on Saturday morning, you can find out on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. We have a grid available on our links list, and you can just check what year, 1974, what was going on against CBS, NBC, ABC, uh, what were they fighting out with? You can find out, and goes back into the 50s when it all began, Saturday morning programming, and goes up to, well, well, when the network stopped doing it, the big three, into the 2000s. That's when it officially came to an end. You can find that at RileyandKimmy.com. Also on our website, you can find a link to help a World War II veteran who hopes to receive 100 cards on his 100th birthday. Ahead of his 100th birthday on June 6th, Michigan World War II veteran Ike Fabella hopes to receive 100 birthday cards. That's according to his family. And we have a link so you can help out. Ike's family hopes that he can commemorate his centennial with birthday wishes from across the country. So you can help out here. Send a card. I don't even know if many people send cards nowadays. No, not not too many. And I think Ike would probably appreciate that, right? He would. I'm yes. sure. That would yeah. be awesome. Yeah, Ike was born in Texas in 1918, served in World War II from 1944 to 1946. His service took him to countries like Germany and Norway. And if you would like to send him a birthday card and a birthday wish, we have the address where you can send that. Yeah, no no email cards. None of that. No e-cards. Do you like e-cards, Kimmy? No, I don't. All right. So if you want to do the traditional thing, the snail mail thing, and help out, I, you know, you could go to one of those discount stores and still buy a very inexpensive card if you're frugal. Mm-hmm. And it, it will, you know, pick up like five or six and have your friends mail it to Ike. Yeah. Yeah. Riley and Kimmy Show would love you to do that. We have Ike's address on our website. You can find the link. And what is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com Pop culture escapism. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play again? That's a big question. Can the cartoon function? Uh, is she alert enough? Does she desire to play pop culture trivia? What say you, Kimmy? Well, yeah. All right. We need to warn you. The timeline has been adjusted in some parts, meaning it's not all in chronological or linear order. Help Kimmy out. She believes in time travel answers, so talk to whatever computing device you have. The Riley and Kimmy Show playing on right now. And it could be anything, because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. Be sure to tell friends. You can listen to us on that laptop, desktop, tablet, smartphone, and any computing device. Especially older friends of yours. Uh, yes, uh, we're trying to stress that there are things beyond terrestrial, traditional radio that you can listen to in the car. Right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. And at home, and at work, and at wherever. First question we have for you is in the movie, the film category, Kimmy. We want the year within one year that this film was released to cinemas. Today is the day it was released. We need you to identify the film 
its title correctly, its entire title. We will warn you, it is part of a franchise. So we need the entire title. Identify the movie first and then tell us the year it came out with a plus or minus of one year. You said people are going to die? Once those droids take control of the surface, they will take control of you. I was not elected to watch my people suffer and die while you discuss this invasion in a committee. Always two. There are a master and an apprentice. At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge. I sense much fear in you. The boy is dangerous. They all sense it. Why can't you? Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the Force. You believe it's this boy? He can see things before they happen. He can help you. The Force is unusually strong with him. Are you sure about this? Trusting our fate to a boy we hardly know? Kimmy, can you tell me the name of that movie? Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. Wow! Wow. 1999. Impressive, Kimmy. Tell me who directed it then, if you're Miss Smarty Pants. George Lucas. That's right. And tell me one of the stars. Natalie Portman. We'll accept that. Who played Obi-Wan Kenobi? Ewan McGregor. I can't throw you here. Who played Qui-Gon Jinn? Liam Neeson. Oh, my goodness. And who played the young Anakin Skywalker? Uh, Jake Lloyd. Oh, boy, I give up. Okay, moving to the next question. I, I think Kimmy won. You know, she we're done. You won. I, I don't know how. Wow. Fantastic, Kimmy. Moving to 1958, we have a music question for you. This song was released. It was the first eight-track master recording pressed to a plastic 45 RPM disc. Tell me the name of the artist of this hit song. Please splash, I was taking a bath. Long about a Saturday night. Yeah. Her up double, just relaxing in the tub, thinking everything was alright. Remember, tonight's the night you have to take a bath. Says so in the song, it's a Saturday night. Okay, Kimmy, can you tell me who had that as a hit? Bobby Darren. You're right, the year is 1960. This song is recorded. Identify the group. Say the last dance for me. Mm. Oh, I know that the music's fine. Who is it? 1960. Um, the Coasters? It is the Drifters. You got the right. Okay, the the year is 1961. This duo launches their own record label. Tell me who it is. Bye-bye, love. Bye-bye, Who is it, Kimmy? The Everly Brothers. You're right. The year is 1965. FBI agents visit Wand Records investigating the lyrics to this song... Tell me the name of the song. What is the name of that song? Louie Louie. Kimmy, tell me who had that hit. The Animals? Uh, good guess, but no, it's the Kingsmen. Also, Paul Revere and the Raiders recorded it right about the same time they covered it, but the big hit was the Kingsmen with Louie Louie. That naughty song, well, actually, they they investigated it, spent some time doing that, I mean, like a lot of time, 
and determined there was nothing naughty about the song, even though some people to this day still think it's a naughty song. The year is 1973. This song is released. Kimmy, tell me the title of this hit. When I think back on all the crap I learned in high school It's a wonder I can think at all And my lack of education hasn't hurt me none I can read the writing on the wall What is the name of that hit? Kodachrome Kodachrome Who had that as a hit, 1973? Paul Simon. Yes, you've done very well, but here is a temporal roadblock. It's coming up in the timeline for you. Kimmy will have difficulty with this next one. I just know it because it is sort of obscure, even though it was a number 14 hit on the Billboard Pop charts and did very well on other charts. I don't think she'll be able to tell us the name of the recording artist. Help Kimmy out. The year is 1973. This song hits that peak position of number 14. He remembers the first time he met her. He remembers the first thing she said. He remembers the first time he held her. And the night that she came to his bed. He remembers her sweet way of singing. Honey, has something gone wrong? He remembers the fun and the teasing And the reason he wrote her this song I'll give you a daisy, a daisy I'll give you a daisy, a daisy I'll love you until the rivers run still 1973, Daisy a Day. It's number 14 on the Billboard Pop Charts. Kimmy, can you tell me who that is? I cannot. That's Judd Strunk. One hit wonder there. And okay. that song was covered, Kimmy, I by well quite a few on well various genres, many different types of music. You'll find it on albums and CDs. Huh. Have you ever heard that song before? I don't think so. Kimmy has been sheltered. And by the way, that single was ranked number 89 on Billboard's year-end Hot 100 Singles of 1973. Hmm. You've missed out, Kimmy. Hmm. The year's 1975. This song is released. Tell me the title. What is the title, Kimmy? One of these nights. Nineteen seventy five. One of these nights is released by what recording group, Kimmy? The Eagles. All right. Staying in 1975, we move to the 27th Emmy Awards. And, Kimmy, what is an Emmy awarded for? What do you win an Emmy for? Uh, for television. That's right. Outstanding comedy series Emmy goes to this TV show. Identify it by its theme. 
find out that's its elevator music uh, version. Can you tell me the TV show? The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Correct. Outstanding comedy, variety, or music series. Identify the Emmy winner. I'm so glad we had this time together. Kimmy, can you tell me the show? The Carol Burnett Show. What network aired that show? CBS. You're on a roll, Kimmy. Outstanding lead actor in a comedy series. Tell me who wins. You insensitive clod! Don't you realize what you've done? This is the worst night of my life. I've been humiliated in front of the whole world. I'm a laughing stock. Everybody we know was watching that show. I didn't tell anybody to watch. I did. I thought you were going to do some simple, harmless routine about your filthy habits. Instead, you tore me to pieces. That was so cruel of you, Oscar. Who wins the Emmy, Kimmy? Tony Randall. For what TV show? The Odd Couple. And what character did he play? Felix Unger. You're right. Outstanding lead actress in a comedy series. Tell me who is accepting the Emmy. Thank you. Times are wasting. Um... I am experiencing incredible joy, love for Mary, almost more than anybody, I guess, because she's the reason I'm standing here. It's been an incredible year for me. I think Kimmy knows who this is. I don't have to play anymore. Who is it, Kimmy? Valerie Harper. Yes, for what TV show? Um, Rhoda. Yeah, that's right. Outstanding lead actor in a drama series. Tell me who it is. They broke her neck, and you're going to tell me who they are, or I'm going to break yours. Kimmy, who wins the Emmy? Robert Blake. For what TV show? Beretta. Correct. What network aired Beretta? ABC. Oh, man. She is on a roll. Outstanding lead actor in a limited series. Tell me who is accepting the Emmy. I wouldn't say that this category is overly crowded. <laughs> uh, uh, there were uh, there were only two nominees. Uh, well, maybe a little bit crowded. Uh, all right. You know, if a guy drops his hat and, he, uh, and somebody picks it up, you say thank you. But if somebody saves your life, it's hard to know what to say. So it's hard for me to find words uh, to express what Everett Chambers and Peter Fisher have done for Columbo. Uh, Everett's been producing the show for two years, and Peter's been writing it for two years. And uh, I want the world to know that they made more than a huge contribution. The fact is very simple. Without them, there wouldn't have been any Columbo. And I'd be eternally grateful to both of them. I would also like to thank uh, Harvey Hart. I think he's the best director in the business. And I want to thank you again. Thank you very much. Who wins the Emmy? Peter Falk. That's right. Outstanding continuing performance by a supporting actor in a comedy series. Wow, that's a mouthful. See if you can tell me who wins the Emmy. The past three years, our ratings have been week in and week out absolutely terrible. But lately, they've started to slip. I think we need some fresh ideas. So... Can you tell me who that is? Ed Asner. For what TV show? For Mary Tyler Moore Show. Yes, and what character did he play? Lou Grant. You're right. Outstanding continuing performance by a supporting actress in a comedy series. Tell me who is accepting the Emmy. I tell you, when you hear that list read, Julie and Nancy and Loretta and Georgia, I really am so proud to be in that company, and I am so grateful to each and every one of those evil, adorable, wonderful, nasty people at M- MTM who, who makes Sue Ann the, the rotten lady that she is. Can you tell me who that is? Betty White. That's correct. And moving to outstanding continuing performance by supporting actor and actress in a drama series. They actually gave them 
both an Emmy at the same time. At the same time, they give them. They didn't share it. They actually give them both an Emmy. Now they appear on the same show. Just tell me one of the people accepting the Emmy, Kimmy. That's all you have to do. Here is your clue. You know, um, I thought once before. I flirted a lot with Emmy a couple of times, and I flirted even with Tony and with Oscar. He's I'm so glad that they finally got me into a category. You know, when you get to, to an age, this age, you appreciate things of that sort. I thank all the old people all across the country, the fathers and the mothers, and especially the children in the school, because I know the children in the school will not stand for having their elders told at what time they may or may not see a program from now in. So I would like to present this officially to the little schoolhouse on Walton's Mountain, to Cammie Cotler, and to uh, little Jim Bob and Elizabeth and the rest of them. Because when you get my age, your home is full of artifacts, and I like to see it repose in Walton's school. Cloris Leachman mentioned her family, and I'd like to mention mine. They're at table 17, and I love them. They played the grandparents on the Waltons. Can you tell me either actor's name? Will Gear. You get it, Kimmy. He played Grandpa on the Waltons, and Ellen Corby is who you heard there accepting the Emmy. Moving somewhere else on the timeline, Kimmy, moving to a, well, category that you really like, that is movies. The year is 1977. This movie premieres. Tell me the name of the movie we have removed its name from the trailer. At last, a warm, sensitive, touching story about the close personal relationship between a man and a woman. Between a trucker and his dog. Fred, I'm so damn tired of picking you up. I got Fred! Between a father no way. and his son. No way that you could come from my loins. And how they all took to the road one day for a quiet little drive in the country. From Georgia to Texas and back. In 28 hours flat. With a truckload of bootleg beer. I'll be driving this one. Hey, yeah. Blocker. You'll be driving the truck. Now, who would do a thing like that? Kimmy, can you identify the movie? Smokey and the Bandit? That's right. Have you seen Smokey and the Bandit? No. We won't judge you poorly for never seeing that classic. I mean, probably one of the best movies ever made. Really? I'm kidding. The year is <laughs> 1979. This song hits number three on the Billboard Top 40 Charts. Kimmy, tell me the name of the song and then who recorded it. Tell me the title. In the Navy. In the Navy. Yes, you can sail the seven seas. In the Navy. Yes, you can put your money. In the Navy. Come on now, people make a stand. In the Navy. In the Navy. 1979, number three hit for whom? The Village People. That's right. The year is 1984. This song hits number 62. That's on the Billboard Hot 100. Tell me who the recording artist is 
Yeah, who recorded this parody? There's four trail polyester, leather, wool, and tweed. Just a Visa or MasterCard is all you need. We got every color, we got every shade. We're located next door to Willie's Fun Arcade. We got every fabric that was ever made. But I'm known in this city as the king of suede. Who is it, Kimmy? Weird Al Yankovic. That's right. The year is 1986. This person releases an album called So. Probably don't even have to give you a musical clue, but we will. Who is it, Kimmy? Peter Gabriel. That's right. I have a feeling you have that in your vinyl collection. Yes, I do. The year is 1992. The debut album for this recording artist is released. Some have said that it is horrible. That's right. Matter of fact, it's been placed at number 33 in Q Magazine's 2006 list of the 50 worst albums ever. Here is a single from that album. Tell me who the recording artist is. Don't tell my heart, my Nineteen ninety-two. Some gave all is the debut album for whom? Billy Ray Cyrus. That's correct. The year is nineteen ninety-two. This vice president of the United States criticizes a certain TV show. Tell me who it is. It doesn't help matters when primetime TV has Murphy Brown, a character who supposedly epitomizes today's intelligent, highly paid professional woman, mocking the importance of fathers by bearing a child alone. I'm calling it just another lifestyle choice. Kimmy, can you identify who the vice president at the time was? Dan Quayle. You're right. The year is 1994. It is the final episode of this TV show. It ran for eight years. Identify it. <laughs> Kimmy, can you tell me the name of that TV show? L.A. Law. Ooh, Yes, you're bouncing back. You're doing quite well. The year is 1997, and it is... Celebrity and Famous People Wedding. Yeah, that's right. Film and stage actor Matthew Broderick marries an actress. Who does he marry, Kimmy? Sarah Jessica Parker. Yes, and she's known for what TV show? Sex in the City. Yes, Kimmy. And Square Pegs. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Now that is obscure, but yes, Kimmy got that right. Let's just see how smart she is here. She's on a roll. Square Pegs, the show she acted when she was extremely young. Can you tell me the network that that was brave enough to air that cutting-edge show? NBC. CBS, but still you get it right, Kimmy, because you just threw me with that one out of nowhere. Nobody knows Square Pegs, but Kimmy did. Celebrity and notable birthdays. This person celebrating a birthday today. Kimmy, television personality best known as the first host of ABC's Good Morning America from 1975 to 1987. Tell me, who is celebrating a birthday? Mrs. Reagan, thank you. What a nice way to start the morning. Good morning, everybody. Moving along, I am going to be talking in the next couple of hours to just a few of the important guests who have joined us over the years. Henry Kissinger will be It is not Bullwinkle Moose. 
Can you? T- I've had people say that sounds like Bullwinkle. No, can you tell me who it is? David Hartman. You got it right, Kimmy. He was also known for the TV series The Bold Ones. He played a doctor on that. Next individual actor, Kimmy. Tell me how old he is within five years. He is known for playing a certain character in the original film series. Here is the character he played. First, identify the character. Can you tell me the character he is known for? Chewbacca. Yes, who is it? Peter Mayhew. Yes, how old is he today within five years? 75. He is 74. Kimmy is on a roll. This next person, musician. Kimmy celebrating a birthday. Tell me who it is. Kimmy, who is celebrating a birthday? Peter Townsend. That's correct. How old is Pete Townsend today within five years? Um, 70. He is 73. Next person, tell me what band he is known for, Kimmy. He is a keyboardist, co-vocalist, and also bassist for what band? His name is Dusty Hill. I don't know. Here's your clue. Kimmy, you should know who this is. You met him. What's the name of the band? ZZ Top. That's right. He is celebrating his 69th birthday. Next person, Kimmy. Singer, model, actress. She has appeared in the 1985 James Bond movie, A View to a Kill. Here she is with one of her recordings. Tell me who it is. She played Mayday in A View to Kill, the James Bond film. Can you tell me who is having a birthday? Grace Jones. You're right. How old is Grace Jones today within five years? Uh, 59. She would give you a big hug. She is 70 today. This next person, Kimmy, actor, son of a former president of the United States. He was cast on this TV show in 1981, this soap opera. Tell me the soap opera. Young and the Restless. That's correct, Kimmy. He played private investigator Andy Richards. He was a regular member from 1981 to 87, then came back 2002 to 2003. Who is it? Um, Ford. Yes. Steve Ford? She gets it. It's Stephen Ford celebrating his 62nd birthday today. I see dead people. Notable deaths. Famous people who passed away on this date in history. The year is 1864. Kimmy, this American writer, dies at the age of 59. If you look at his photos, he looks like he is 80 years old. But that's the time period. He is known for The Scarlet Letter, which was published in 1850, who died 1864. Nathaniel Hawthorne. Kimmy, got it. Was that the author's game that did that for you? Have you actually read The Scarlet Letter? Letter. Have you read the Scarlet Letter? No. Okay. Kimmy used to play this game, the author's game, as a kid. Mm-hmm. The year is 1958. Ronald Coleman passed away. Actor. Died at the age of 67. He was most popular during the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. He had an 
excellent read. He also worked in the golden age of radio. Here's just a, a sample of him uh, doing a little reciting. When in disgrace with fortune and men's eyes, I all alone beweep my outcast state, and trouble deaf heaven with my bootless cries, and look upon myself and curse my fate, wishing me like to one more rich in hope, featured like him, like him with friends possessed, desiring this man's art and that man's scope, with what I most enjoy contented least. Yet, in these thoughts, myself almost despising, haply I think on thee, and then my state... Like to the lark at break of day arising from sullen earth, sings hymns at heaven's gate. For thy sweet love remembered, such wealth brings that then I scorn to change my state with kings. Little culture on the Riley and Kimmy show, courtesy of Ronald Coleman reciting some Shakespeare. He passed away on this date in 1958. That is Ronald Coleman. The year is 1994. This former first lady... Dies at the age of 64. She was First Lady of the United States from 1961 to 1963. Who is it? Yes, it's Attic and Cellar all in one. Since our work started, we receive hundreds of letters every day. This is where we evaluate all the fines, see if we want to keep them, if they fit into our budget. Well, I really don't have one because I think this house will always grow and should. It just seemed to me such a shame when we came here to find hardly anything of the past in the house. Hardly anything before 1902. I know when we went to Columbia, the presidential palace there has all the history of that country in it. Where Simon Bolivar was, every piece of furniture in it has some link with the past. I thought the White House should be like that. Can you tell me who passed away 1994? Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. You're right, Kimmy. You actually got that uh, that other name. Wow. You you threw me there. The year is 2016. This American television newscaster, known for 60 Minutes, dies at the age of 84. Who is it? This is interesting. I don't like doing uh, performers, actors, because um, very often... Um, what they do is so much more interesting than who they are. They're brilliant at creating characters, but not necessarily that interesting. Um, and they don't do anything that you can actually... You know, they don't do something like paint or build or whatever. It's all stuff in their heads. Can you tell me who that is, Kimmy? Mike Wallace? No, it's Morley Safer. Oh, that's the one I usually always guess. <laughs> yes, when it's a 60 Minutes question, Kimmy uses him by default, but this time she goes to Mike Wallace and see what happens to her. <sighs> the year is 2016. Kimmy, this actor in front of the camera and a voice actor extensive in the world of animation and the golden age of radio dies at the age of 96, best known for a certain TV show that ran from 1961 to 1966. Tell me who he is. Murphy's Vitamix. How about some nice, healthy Murphy's Vitamix? Ick. <laughs> Good stuff. Put hair on your tails. Yeah? Uh, how about some of that molasses mix? Molasses? No, no. No molasses mix for you. This sweet stuff is bad for your teeth. Oh, oh, oh. Ever hear of a horse with false choppers? 
He's known for a certain TV show. What's the TV show, Kimmy? Mr. Ed. Hey, that's right. And can you tell me who he is? He played Wilbur. Alan. Yes. Um, something. Alan something is actually Alan Young. He passed away on this date at the age of 96. Known for animation, as we said just uh, moments ago. He, You can find him in Rin and Stimpy cartoons and other cartoons, but known extensively for work with Disney. He was the voice of Scrooge McDuck. You used a piece last week? Now, get on with your work, Cratchit. I'm giving you a raise and making you my partner. Merry Christmas, Bob. As punishment, Flintheart must keep a certain painting over his fireplace for the next 15 years. <laughs> no, a portrait of the richest duck in the world. <laughs> this old valentine was hand-delivered to me on a mountaintop. Back when my wallet was as skinny as my legs. Back when I was a prospector in the days of the great Klondike gold rush. I wouldn't it be in this mess if it weren't for you. Thanks to you, I've got a crazy animal act on my tail. I've got to get you to my vault. It's the only safe place. Time to go back. That is Alan Young, and he voiced... Scrooge McDuck for over 30 years. He also did Mickey's voice and other voices, too. And the reason he was tapped for animation is because of his golden age of radio work. Because they approached him and said, hey, you've worked in radio. And, and he's like, yeah, and that's why they chose him. And that's, by the way, where a lot of golden age of radio talents went to was animation. They, Especially the Hanna-Barbera days, because Hanna-Barbera didn't have full animation. They relied on sound effects and voice talents to compensate that, well, example, Kimmy's looking at me kind of like spacing out here. Disney's considered full animation, whereas Hanna-Barbera was not. It was not. It's an animation process. I'm boring, Kimmy, so I'll move on. Wow. Okay, anyhow, Alan Young passed away on this date, 2016, at the age of 96. Kimmy, we think you did a fantastic job today. Thank you. We're going to go back in time and honor something we talked about on the golden age of radio. mentioned moments ago that actor Ronald Coleman died on this date, 1958, at the age of 67. He was no stranger to the golden age of radio, and we have a fantastic example of the theater of the mind. This is one of the best of the golden age of radio. The episode is a thrilling episode. It's called A Vision of Death from 1953. Now, the plot it's a story about a couple with a nightclub mind-reading act, and they actually reveal kind of how that's done, which is kind of cool. If you've ever seen a mind-reading act, they kind of give you a little tip how it's actually done. Well, this mind-reading couple are amazed to find that they no longer need their trick to make it work because one of them has special powers. They can really read minds. It's got a surprise ending. It's called A Vision of Death from 1953. Here's our tribute to Ronald Coleman on The Riley and Kimmy Show.
If I speak too rapidly for your stenographer, you'll tell me, won't you, Lieutenant? No offense, but um, he impresses me as someone who has to sit on the floor to put on his shoes. And stop me if I seem to wander away from the point, won't you? I mean to say, this is my first and, I hope, final appearance in a police precinct, and I should hate to give a sloppy performance. We were always known, Aurora and I, for the smoothness and gem-like precision of our act. As far as this murder... Uh, rap, I suppose it's called, is concerned, an acquaintance with our act is the essential rabbit. Awfully good act. Smart, informal, occasionally humorous, and always mystifying. Well... The act always began with music, never with the cliché fanfare of trumpets or roll of drums. I would saunter out to the center of the floor and say something like, Good evening. You are about to witness an exhibition of mental telepathy. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce Aurora, my wife? Ah, they never failed to give her a hand. What would they applaud? Why, the vision she presented as she came toward me. There has never been anyone as lovely as Aurora, the most beautiful flesh in the profession. Now, Aurora, would you care to tell the audience or shall I? You tell them, Judd, while I tie the blindfold across my eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, all mind readers employ a gimmick. A gimmick is a trick, a device. For example, when the mind reader threading his way through the audience says to the mind reader sitting blindfolded on the stage, a lady has given me a small object which I now hold in my hand, what is it? And the mind reader sitting blindfolded replies, a silver coin. The answer has not come through mind reading, no. It has come through the gimmick, a cue or signal communicated through the very question itself. But we don't do that. We do not. You will notice, ladies and gentlemen, that I never speak to Aurora at all. Now, are you ready, Rory? Ready, Judd. Here we go, then. Now, uh, you, sir, you have something? Good. Concentrate upon it like a good chap. And the you, The gentleman holds a coin in his hand. It's a Mexican peso bearing the date 1892. <laughs> oh, oh, that's very clever of you, madam. I'll be surprised if she gets this one. <laughs> the now, lady how about you? holds in her hand her other hand. <laughs> Yep, a sucker once born remains a sucker till death. The audience never realized, never in all the years we worked, that although I was not speaking to Aurora directly, my chatter nevertheless was loaded with signals and cues for her guidance. By revealing the gimmick, we concealed the gimmick, and that, Lieutenant, is the knee plus ultra of gimmicks. <laughs> yes, it was as crude as that, but it enabled us to work 50 weeks a year here and abroad at an average of over a 1,000 a week. Of course, I always gave some credit for our success to, to our agent, Harry Arnold, although Rory was inclined to give him no credit at all. Good news, Judd. I've managed to book the act into the College Inn in Chicago with a four-week guarantee. That's not bad, huh? Get him. He managed to book the act. I suppose they never heard of us in Chicago. I suppose we weren't held over there six weeks when we played the Saint Souci in 1948. Well, you think it's easy to get a four-week guarantee these days? Money is short, money is tight. I have never yet heard you say money is long, money is loose. You have to sweat for your 10%, don't you? Yes, you do. In a pig's ear, you do. Agents, they're all alike. There's gratitude for you. There's the milk of human memory. <laughs> what were you when I first saw you? Nothing, not this much playing ten a day on the canvas in Menashe, Wisconsin, and paid off in bottle tops. I worked, I schemed, I sweated. Agents, all of them. 
All they know is how to live off a dead whale, scum of the earth. I'm not going to take that from you, you hear me? You'll take it, baby, along with the 10%. You'll take it, you'll chew it, you'll swallow it, and you'll keep it down. How do you like that? I'm warning you, kid, don't push me too far. Don't Uh, push uh, me too... Children, children, now on your way, Harry, and don't let it get you down. I think a four-week guarantee is pretty good. Thanks, Judd. If it wasn't for you, I'd... Well, I go into it. I'm going for a walk. But aside from these altercations between Rory and Harry, it was smooth sailing. We wore the best, ate the best, drank the best, stayed at the finest hotels. And every Saturday night after the performance, Harry would bring us our salary. He'd bring it in cash. Thousand, twelve fifty, fifteen hundred. <laughs> I've the old performer's distrust of checks. Been given too many with a high latex content. Anyway, life couldn't have been more placid. And then, one evening... About five weeks ago, soon after we opened up the Grove here in town, a frightening thing occurred. We'd just begun the act, and I was out in the audience. You will notice, ladies and gentlemen, that I never speak to Aurora at all. Now, are you ready, Rory? Ready, Judge. Here we go, then. Now, uh, you, madam, The lady you have holds su- in her hand a compact. It is platinum. It bears her initials, R.C. Uh, 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 you, you, sir. The gentleman you... is holding an engagement ring. In it are three small diamonds. I, I, uh, uh, miss, well, the what would lady, you... The young lady is holding... It's a small cameo brooch. Rory! Rory! Uh, Maurice! Music! I I picked Rory up from the floor and hurried with her to our dressing room, almost beside myself with anxiety. I placed her on the couch, dampened a towel and put it on her forehead and began to chafe her wrists. Rory. Rory, honey, Rory. Judd, Judd. I'm here, Rory. Are you all right? I, I guess so. I don't know what happened. Well, you fainted away. Try to remember what happened. I felt funny. I don't remember. No, no, try, Rory. Try. Try to remember. It's important. I can't. Why is it important? You don't know? Rory, you don't know? You were calling out the answers before I even had a chance to give you the cues. Do you believe in telepathy, Lieutenant? I don't mean the sort of thing Rory and I usually did. I mean real telepathy. Uh, I never did either until that night. I don't mind telling you I was badly shaken. I mean, after all, I, I knew we'd been using a gimmick, and suddenly it began to happen without the gimmick. Scared us to death. We didn't know what we were getting into, but we went on with the act. And in my mind, I began to search about for the answer. I found it, of course. You'll find a gimmick in almost everything, if you look hard enough. I've got it, Rory. We worked together so long that you know what I'm about to say before I say it. From my inflection, my pauses, even my movements. You see? Oh, Judd, that has to be it. Oh, this is marvelous. When Harry gets back, I'll tell him about it. And if I last till tomorrow, he can ask the management for more dough. As soon as he gets back. Next Thursday. Tonight. How much more should we ask for? 
Tonight? What made you say tonight? Well, I don't know. Well, you were there when he told me he'd be in Palm Springs till Thursday. What made you say tonight? I don't know. What difference does it make? Stop picking on me. So I made a mistake, so what? <laughs> I, I don't see how you can make such a mistake, that's oh, all. Oh, Judd, leave me alone. I've been worried half crazy about really being able to read your mind. I've been under a strain. So Harry's coming back Thursday and not tonight. All right, are you satisfied? He'll be here Thursday, not tonight. You Justin Stone, mister? This dressing room, eh? Yeah, what is it? Telegram, sign here. Sign for it, will you, Rory? There you are, kid. Judd, I'm sorry I blew up in your face. Judd, what's the matter? It's... It's from Harry. He's coming in tonight. And he did, too, Lieutenant. Rory was so upset by it, she couldn't go on at all that evening. She had no explanation for how she knew, none whatsoever. I don't know, Judd. I, I just don't know. My mind seemed to go blank. I seemed to hear a voice whisper in my ear. Harry Arnold will be with you tonight. That's all. When we got back to our suite at the hotel, Harry was there, waiting for us. Well, what happened? Well, what happened? You both look like ghosts. Look, Harry, I'll tell you some other time. Leave us alone, will you? All right, I'm going. I just came to wish you a happy birthday and to give you this. Birthday? Oh, oh, oh thanks, Harry. Yeah, thanks. What is it? Well, open it, why don't you? It's a bathrobe. A red silk bathrobe. With your initials. That's right, it's a red... How does she know? How do you know? Get out of here! Get out of here! Judd, make him get out of here! I won't be talked to like that. I don't care who she is, I won't be talked now, to Harry, like that. Harry, shut up. For heaven's sake, shut up and go away. Leave us alone. Go, get out. Get out! You too, Judd? She's got you talking against me too? All right, I'm going. I'm going, but from here on in, it's strictly business between us. I wash my hands. Kept his word, Lieutenant. From that time on, he kept himself to himself. And I was prepared to let it go at that, much as I liked Harry. Until the night I was awakened by Rory, moaning in her sleep. No. No, please, no. No. Rory. Rory, no. wake up. You're having a bad dream, no. Rory. No. Uh, huh? Chad. Chad. Shh, shh. It's all right. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, John. What, what, Rory? The voice. Whispering again? Yes. Oh, Judd. What? He's going to kill me. Harry Arnold is going to kill me. And that, Lieutenant, was the beginning of the end of that. Rory, get a grip on yourself. He's going to kill me. Harry's going to kill Harry, me. Don't be ridiculous. Stop it now. It was just a bad dream. He's going to kill me. Now, will you stop that? Will you stop saying oh, that? Judd, hold me. I'm frightened. Harry's going to kill me. You've had a bad dream, I tell he you. He hates me. He hates me. Oh, Judd. He's going to kill me. I'm a rational man, Lieutenant. I've always felt, for example, that when Hamlet says, 
There are stranger things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Horatio, Horatio, ought to reply, tell that to Sweeney. I knew there was no such thing as mental telepathy. I knew it as well as I know I'm sitting here talking to you. Up here in my head, I knew it. And yet, the next afternoon, I found myself entering a gun shop and purchasing a revolver and a box of bullets. Determined that before Harry Arnold could so much as injure one hair of Rory's head, I would kill him. I should have gone directly to the police first. <laughs> You're using hindsight, Lieutenant. I had all that out with Rory. Please, Judd, please, go to the police. Tell them about this. Let them handle it. Well, tell them what? That by reading his mind, we've learned Harry intends to murder you? They'll believe us. They've got to believe us. You're reasoning like a child. They'll decide that it's either a publicity stunt or else that we're both lunatics. But if I tell them about the telegram and the birthday present... Rory, we have no proof. We have to do something. What? Tell me what? You know he intends to kill you. I know he intends to kill you. But what can we do? Do you know when he's going to do it or how he's going to do it? No. He hasn't decided yet. Oh, Judd, isn't there anything we can do? Nothing. Except wait. I reacted to the waiting, as you might expect, Lieutenant. Sleeplessness, loss of appetite, growing irritability. I flared up at everyone. Waiters, chambermaids, elevator boys, the manager of the club. The manager of the club? <laughs> he finally said to me... Stone, what the devil's gotten into you? I'd really like to know. None of your business. Well, look, I'm only trying to be nice. Oh, shut up and leave me alone. Sure, I'll let you alone. I'd let you alone right now if your contract didn't have another week to run. But after that, I'll let you strictly alone. You'll never work this club again, you maniac. I began to drink quite heavily, quite noticeably. I was going crazy just from the waiting. And then the waiting came to an end. It was around three in the morning. I was sitting up in bed, in the dark, smoking, when Rory opened her eyes and said... Judd. Yes? The voice... Yes. He... He's going to kill me here. Right here in this room. Rory. Saturday. This Saturday. At midnight. Oh, Chad. Rory. Rory, sweetheart. He's going to shoot me. He has a gun. He's going to shoot me. He's He's going to get you downstairs in the manager's office at the club. And while you're there, he's going to come up here. No, 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 Rory, Rory, listen to me. I want you to listen to me. You're mistaken, do you understand? You've been having another bad dream, and that's all there is to it. No, Judd, I swear it. He just thought of it, just this minute. He's standing in a bar, standing there all by himself, drinking. And he's just this minute decided. You're... you're making it up. Judd, no. It's... it's the bar over... Tuscany Hotel. I see it so clear. You're wrong. You're wrong. I'll prove you're wrong. Desk. Get me the bar at the Tuscany, will you? Over on Sunset? One moment, please. You'll see, Rory. He's not there at all. You'll see it's just a dream. Just a bad dream. Tuscany Cocktail Lounge. Hello. Is uh, Harry Arnold there at the bar? Harry Arnold? No, I'm sorry, he's not. He's not? You sure of that? Sure, I'm sure. 
He was here all evening, left about a minute ago. I said goodnight to him myself. Want me to have... Look. Look, Lieutenant, my hands. It's just the memory of how I felt at that moment when my hands begin to tremble again. Amazing, isn't it? Now, that was last Thursday night, or rather Friday morning. Towards daybreak, Rory sobbed herself to sleep, but I was restless. I got dressed and went downstairs and, and got into my car. The long drive has always relaxed me. But when I got behind the wheel, oh, I don't know what it was, possibly the fresh air, but... But all at once, I felt as though I couldn't keep my eyes open for another moment. Simply had to have some sleep. So I... I crawled into the back seat, curled myself up in one corner, pulled the rug over me and went out like a light. I was awakened around noon by the sound of voices. Don't smile at me, you idiot. They may see us. Look businesslike. Where is he? I don't know. Since he hasn't got the car, he must be out walking. Did he fall for it last night? Just like he fell for all the rest of it. The red bathrobe, stooges you planted in the audience. He even phoned the bar just after you left. Oh, I timed it beautifully. Oh, satin skin, satin skin. I can hardly keep away from you. After me. tomorrow night, we'll have all the time in the world for each other, Harry. You bought the whole story that it's going to happen at midnight? Tomorrow, your place? Every word. Just do what you have to do now. Remember to come to the dressing room before the 8 o'clock show... Tell him you've set up a meeting with Stamper, the manager, in Stamper's office at 12. Yeah, I want them to shake hands and be friends again, I'll tell him. Yes, and don't forget, when you come to our door at midnight, keep talking to the elevator boy. Don't let him go, whatever you do. You want him to testify with self-defense. Uh, don't worry, I won't forget a thing. You'll handle all the rest of it? Just leave it to me. I mean about his gun. That's pretty important, you know. Don't worry. It'll misfire. It'd be difficult for me to tell you what I felt as they walked away, Lieutenant. One part of me felt the way a man ought to feel, I suppose, when he, when he learns that the woman he loves is not only unfaithful, but plotting his death as well. But another part of me felt only relief. Relief at learning there was a gimmick in this too. Ah, they'd been fairly clever for amateurs. Harry had a good excuse for carrying a gun to protect the cash he brought me each Saturday. My own behavior in recent weeks would lend weight to what he would probably offer in his defense, that I must have been crazy, that for no reason at all I'd opened the door, pointed a revolver at him, and threatened his life, that he had to shoot in self-defense. The presence of the elevator boy, well, that could mean only that Harry would shoot just as soon as I opened the door. I'd be found dead with a revolver in my hand and a heartbroken agent at my side. Tableau. I found myself hoping, as I never hoped before, that they'd come to their senses before Saturday. That they'd realize what a vicious, inhuman thing it was they were planning. But just before the eight o'clock show that night, there was a knock at the door of our dressing room. Come in. Uh, Judd, I've been talking to Stamper, the manager. He's sorry there's bad blood between you and wants to square it. I told him you'd be in his office at 12 to talk things over. All right with you? Yep. We don't want it, so this will never work here again, do we? I mean, there's no reason we should. No reason at all. Button my dress, Judd. Uh, see you later, Judd. Yeah, later. We did the show and then went up to our suite. I convinced Rory that I should meet Harry alone 
and then I helped her pack a small overnight bag. I loaded the revolver, and then there was nothing to do but wait. The minutes passed. Nine o'clock, ten, ten-thirty, and I waited. Judd. Yes? It doesn't seem right to leave you here alone. Harry might... No, no, you go. Things might not turn out as I planned. I might not be able to stop him. If I fail to stop him... No, no, it's best that you go. Just wait at the motel until you hear from me. Uh, what time is it? Almost 11. Two minutes of 11. I... I'm out of cigarettes. Desk? Uh, this is Mr. Stone in 1101. Please send up a carton of players, will you? Right away, Mr. Stone. I want you to go now, Rory. Judd, let me call the police, please. Oh, it would be useless. We've gone into it and it would be useless. Well, then come with me. He won't find anybody here. And he'd choose another place, another time. Now, here's your valise. You have your gun? In my pocket. You, you won't take any chances. I don't know what I'd do if you were hurt. I won't take any chances. Now, let me help you on with your coat. Oh, Judd, I love you so. Yeah, I know. And I love you, Rory. I really do, you know. You ready? Yes. Eleven o'clock. He'll be here in an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go now, Rory. Kiss me goodbye. Judd. Oh, the cigarettes. Uh, get them, will you, darling? Will I find change? I shall always remember the look on Harry's face, Lieutenant, as she sank to the floor. They'd concocted a bad dream between them and it had come true. I'll bet he still doesn't know how it happened. If you pass his cell, you might tell him. Just whisper the word gimmick into his ear. Yeah, that's what I said, gimmick. I gimmicked the clock while Rory was dressing. Set it back a full hour. It was eleven to her, but twelve to him. I adore gimmicks, don't you? If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. 
So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.